Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Rachel V. Hill, rocking our abs gear because today is game five and a chance for the Colorado Avalanche to hoist the Stanley Cup. Jake, I've been on Twitter all morning. I'm loving the excitement around it. How are you feeling as we get ready for tonight? You know, I got to like loosen up and maybe stretch a little bit because I'm expecting a long night between you and I, Rachel, uh, <laughs> trying to maybe track the Stanley Cup. That might be in our plans if the Avs win. I'll, I'll just give a little hint there. So, you know, I'm, I'm practicing a couple dance moves just in case we hit, you know, a couple places. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Like it's the Stanley Cup. It's in Denver. You know, I woke up first tweet I saw this morning was a tweet from the Stanley Cup itself. I don't know how it sent that tweet because it doesn't have thumbs, but it sent that tweet and it was in bed in Denver, Colorado. It woke up at a hotel in Denver. The Stanley Cup, it's here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm loving the energy of everybody on all the social media platforms. I'm loving seeing people wearing their burgundy and blue too. It's an exciting day for sure. So stick around, hang out with us. We're going to try and get you pumped up for all your game day festivities later on tonight. We want to know too, where are you going to be watching the game? Are you going to be headed out to Denver? Are you going to watch it on TV at home? Let us no, we're so excited. DMAC is going to join us shortly here in a little bit from Ball Arena. So get ready for that. He's going to update us on everything at Morning Skate. And we know Andre Burakovsky, he was out on the ice this morning, which is definitely a good sign for the Colorado Avalanche, Jake. But as you look ahead to tonight, what is going to be the main thing that needs to happen for the Avs to be able to win? Yeah, I, I just want to put a sidebar in the show and absolutely derail it for a second. Uh, I just saw the Rockies score scroll across the line. When's the last time any of us watched a Rockies game? Like, I have. But, like, well, the general Denver sports fan, do, do you guys even know that the Rockies are still playing games? Uh, because tonight at McGregor Square, it's going to be all apps coverage again. Um but yeah, I, I found that funny when I've been driving around Denver and it's like all the Avs fans at McGregor Square while the Rockies are playing next door. Um, Where do yeah. you think it's going to be the craziest place tonight? Obviously, Ball Arena is going to be electric, but there's going to be so many different watch parties happening. Do you think McGregor Square is going to like rival Tivoli? Like, what do you anticipate that looking like? I think McGregor Square gets a little crazier just because it's packed in, right? Mm-hmm. So it, like it, the, the sound kind of echoes off of each other. Um DPD was sending some messages yesterday about greasing up light poles, perhaps, and uh, not celebrating too hard, telling abs fans. I expect lower downtown to be a war zone if the abs win. Like, it's going to be crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, like, I I, I could see Civic Center Park going off pretty good after the abs win if people kind of flood down there. But in terms of, like, right right away after the game, it's going to be Tivoli that's going to be off the hook. It's going to be McGregor Square. It's going to be kind of those blocks outside of Coors Field. And then to, to circle back to the original question about what the abs need to do tonight, Rachel, is to stop derailing the show and actually listen to you. Um, I, I think they need to get out on the forecheck. Uh, that, that's the key to the game for me. I know we're going to talk about that a little later with mm-hmm. DMAC. But the abs are so much better when they are aggressive towards the puck. And we just saw that in game four, like watch how they were in, in the first period versus overtime. It all comes from how aggressive they're being with their defense and where they're meeting the Tampa Bay lightning on the ice. Oh my goodness. Yes. So we are going to get into it. Like I said, DMAC is going to join us here in a little bit, but last night, We were both actually at Ball Arena, not for any Avalanche coverage, but because of the Denver Nuggets and the NBA draft last night. So 
There's a lot to get into here. I promise a lot of people, I know you're here to talk abs. We are definitely going to talk abs too, so stick around. But let's get in, Jake, to the first pick, which is Christian Brown from Kansas. We like, not like the pick. How are we feeling? I don't mind the pick. I'm not a big fan of it. I thought they reached a little high for Christian Brown. Um, I thought they probably could have got him at 30. I also thought that Christian Brown was a guy that, you know, they didn't even need to maybe draft. They could have traded 21. Uh, you look at the trade Memphis made. They got uh, they, they traded away DeAnthony Melton uh, and got the number 23 pick. And they even got Danny Green back. So I'm thinking to myself, why couldn't the Nuggets have traded Will Barton, a better player than Danny Green, with the number 21 pick for D'Anthony Melton, who you might look at the stats and say, hey, his stats aren't as good as Will Barton's, but he was almost on the all-defensive teams last year, D'Anthony Melton, and he's just kind of that bulldog shooting guard that the Nuggets kind of need. So that would have been nice. But Christian Brown, I think, could impact the team right away in the sense that he's a solid defender. He's very energetic. He seems to have a good basketball IQ. He was on the national title winning Jayhawks just a year ago. But as of right now, he's not one of the 10 best nuggets. He's probably 11 or 12. So he's not cracking the rotation right away, right? Uh, On the same sense, his, his potential isn't that amazing. He spent three years in college. He's a little bit older of a rookie. So he's kind of in between where he doesn't necessarily right away help you, but he might not even turn into something. I don't hate the pick. I think the pick is fine. I don't think it's like that much to discuss about. Um, He does fill some of their needs and maybe he turns into something, but I I just thought the Nuggets could have gone a different direction and and done something better with that 21 pick. Ryan says, what a pick. Brown is perfect for the Nuggets gritty and does the dirty work. Love it. Now, Ryan, I need to ask you, are you a Kansas fan? Please let us know in the comments because I would love to know the answer to that. But I think what's mostly surprising about this Oh, you have a Jayhawks towel. My dad went to KU. I grew up a KU basketball fan before I switched over to the Buffs, the good side. So if anyone were to like Christian Brown, I watch a lot of Kansas basketball. I like Christian Brown. I think he's a good player. I'm just not sure how he projects to the next level. And you're totally right, Ryan. Does a lot of the dirty work, and the Nuggets Mm -hmm. need one of those guys. I'm just not sure that his skills elsewhere will pay off at the next level. I think – He's a good player, but just where they took him at is the most surprising factor of all of it. But that leads us into our next guy, where it's very surprising where he came from. Peyton Watson, oh my goodness, coming in at the number 30 pick. And some guy who has never even started a game coming out of UCLA. Uh, Yeah, you know, this is our stats graphic, as you labeled it. It, uh, You must have had a hard time finding those stats because he barely had any. Uh, Peyton Watson was the eighth player, eighth ranked recruit coming out of high school and going to UCLA. He was a highly touted uh, collegiate prospect. His mm-hmm. freshman year at UCLA and his lone season at UCLA, he played a, around a team that had just gone to the national title, a very, very strong veteran led team. However, the players he's going to play with in the nut with the nuggets are far better than the players he was just playing with at UCLA. And if he wasn't getting on the floor at UCLA, I don't know how he's getting on the floor with the Nuggets. We heard Calvin Booth say uh, last night, it could be two months, it could be two years before Peyton Watson's a true NBA player. 
it's definitely closer to two years than two months. I don't know that it's even going to be two years. Like, we don't know. This guy is a total long shot of a pick, and it could turn out to be well. And, and I don't actually have a problem with picking Peyton Watson. I like the idea, a 6'8 guy who could mm-hmm. help them a lot of potential. The problem is this. Josh Kroenke, the owner of the Nuggets, said titles are bust. We're going after championships. So why do the Nuggets trade a future first-round pick to get into the first round again in this draft at 30 to take a kid who will not be useful for them for at least two years? I just question it. And you also have to keep in mind that this pick at 30 in the draft is quite literally the best contract value in the NBA. It's a four-year contract at the lowest number you could possibly get, more or less. Mm -hmm. So you look at it today and you think maybe the Nuggets are being cheap here. Why are they taking projects? They're wasting a roster spot, perhaps, that could be used on a veteran that they could use right now. There's just all sorts of permutations that you go, what were they thinking here? Mm -hmm. They need to win now. Nikola Jokic is the MVP now. Peyton Watson might be a great player in three years. I'm not going to tell you he might not be. I don't know. But I'll tell you, Peyton Watson's not coming in tomorrow and helping Nikola Jokic, and the Nuggets need someone for right now. Mm-hmm. Robert saying, yup, he agrees with you right there. And I think what was interesting, what we heard from Calvin Booth last night, was that there was a lot of if they ever develop. That leaves a lot of question marks for me as into – were you not sold on these players that you were drafting for the championship or bust time that we're in right now with the Joker and hit being in his prime? So leaves a lot of question marks, that's for sure, which means how important is free agency going to be for the Nuggets? The Nuggets have a limited amount of assets now, and that's where they really messed up because they moved up that first round pick a couple years to this year. Uh, they now can The next time they can trade a first round pick is 2029. Like, so tell me how the Nuggets are going to make trades to actually get people. Like, they can only trade guys on their roster, second-round picks, and a 2029 first. They don't have the most valued assets. So the biggest swing the Nuggets are going to have is a $7 million contract that they have called the mid-level exception, the the taxpayer mid-level exception, which lets them go over uh, the, the number that they'd normally be allowed to pay because they're over the salary cap. So the Nuggets need to hit a home run on that by getting a rotation player. And it's possible the Milwaukee Bucks did this and got Bobby Portis and Bobby Portis was key to their championship two years ago. PJ Tucker is a guy that's perpetually on this mid-level exception. And he's been very valuable to, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks who won that title and a couple other teams too. So they they can do it. They can get a valuable piece there, but it's not going to be a starting shooting guard. And the Nuggets still have a $8 million trade exception that was carved out by trading Jamichael Green for that 30th pick. And they have some assets like Will Barton and Monte Morris that are tradable. But at that point, you're kind of just replacing people on the roster with other people. Uh, you're not necessarily getting better and moving up your window to now. So I, I just don't understand entirely what the Nuggets were doing last night. And I think it kind of messed them up for possibly years to come if they don't nail free agency or the trade period. And, and I wrote about that on DenverFan.com this morning. Uh I'm just, I'm really disappointed in the Nuggets draft. And, you know, I personally would grade it at about a D. Uh, I think it was one of the worst drafts in the NBA, right right alongside the New York Knicks. I, again, I like Christian Brown, uh, but it's the overall approach of where the franchise is grow- going. No, absolutely. I'm with you. I'm giving it a D. Um, Christian Brown, I think, will be a player. I think he's shown 
that he has all the potential to do so and that if he can work hard and, you know, learn from some of these star-studded players that are on this Nuggets team, then, yeah, he can be a star in upcoming years. Will I think he will be useful this year? No. Will we see him play in some games? Yes, but I don't think you should go out there and buy a huge Christian Brown jersey and be prepared to see him, you know, most of the minutes by any means. But Robert asks, do they sign Boogie again? They need a backup center. Yeah, they do. They they actually drafted a center last night, a center that I like a lot. His name's Ishmael Kamagate. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's from Paris. I met him a week ago. Very nice guy. Huge dude. Potential to be a really good roller but he's probably not going to be on the NBA team this year. He's going to play in summer league. The plan is right now to keep him overseas for a year and see what they've got. So that still leaves the hole of what the Nuggets do at backup center. Jamichael Green was one of those options and they got rid of him because he couldn't play center last year. We found that out. Zeke Mm -hmm. Naji, I think, is more of a four than a five. I love Zeke Naji. And right now their backup front court is Zeke Naji and Jeff Green, and Zeke is seven foot one, so he would be the backup center. Mm-hmm. I personally would rather see Zeke Naji at power forward and then bring back a center. Boogie mm-hmm. Cousins is probably the best option there, but I don't know that they're going to be able to afford him. And you might say, Jake, that they're going to spend. Well, the max contract that they can offer Boogie without going into that mid-level exception that I'm talking about is a $3 million contract. Uh, Other teams might be more willing to offer him a mid-level exception or pay him more. So the Nuggets might not be able to offer him by, you know, the the way the CBA is carved out as much money as other teams. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, Boogie had, I want to say three 10-day contracts with the Nuggets before they ended up signing him full-time. It might have been two. I'm trying to think back to it. But Regardless, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of NBA interest in Boogie Cousins. Do you think that that has changed so far in the offseason? Um, yeah, and you have to remember, Boogie was coming off an injury with Milwaukee mm-hmm. when he came to Denver. And that's one of the reasons why he signed a couple 10-day deals is because the Nuggets were kind of eating the clock until they signed him to a real contract. Um, you know, how well he played in the playoffs, you got to think someone would be interested in him. And if they're not, that's a mistake. And there is an argument, and I know DMAC has made this argument. He did it on the drive yesterday when I was on with him, that you might not even want Boogie back just because of what he can do to a locker room and how uh, toxic he has been in the past. All the reports around the Nuggets is that everyone loved him. Michael Malone is the biggest Boogie advocate in the world. Nikola Jokic and Boogie was the biggest bridge to to get together like those guys did not like each other and Nikola Jokic ended up really liking Boogie and I think Boogie does a lot of things that Jokic doesn't in the sense that Boogie is willing to speak up and really fight for his teammates Jokic mm-hmm. does too but he's a little quieter just by nature uh Boogie's not afraid to you know yell at every single thing that walks so I, I really like them because I have two theories on how you should run your your, your bench players which is you should run a completely different scheme than your main starting five, or you mm-hmm. should run a similar scheme. And Boogie can do a lot of the things Nikola Jokic can do on the basketball floor. In fact, prime Boogie Cousins might be the best comp to Nikola Jokic out of any center that's ever played in the NBA. So you can do a lot of the things that Nikola Jokic does with Boogie Cousins at a lesser scale. So I like him as a backup for the Nuggets. The only problem is, is you can't really play Boogie and Nikola Jokic together, which is a problem because you would like any player on your team to be able to play with your best player. 
No, yeah, absolutely. Ryan says boogie should be a priority there. And we asked people on Twitter last night what grade they would give the Denver Nuggets on their draft. People are giving them a C by a pretty solid margin right there. 40.6% gave them a C, 27.7% gave them a D and an F, 24.3% gave them a B, and 7% gave them an A. So people aren't writing too high on them, but they're feeling that this this draft class was average. We had a saying at CU, Rachel, and I'm not sure you had it at CSU, but it was C's get degrees. Was, was that Did that transfer up to CSU? That has transferred. That was even at my okay. high school. <laughs> okay, just making sure, because that's what we, we strove for in Boulder. Um, unfortunately, C's may get degrees, but C's do not get titles. Uh, so they need a title. They need a championship. Uh, I feel like Cecil, it is a Friday. Uh, I've been a Nuggets fan for years. Uh, This team has been in Denver since the 60s. The closest they've come is an ABA title. I I just like they have a chance right now. Only twice in Nuggets history could you make the case that they have a top three basketball player in the world. David Thompson, Skywalker, and Nikola Jokic. They've got one right now. And and, and you need a generational player like Nikola Jokic to win an NBA title. You just do. That's how it works in the NBA. So mm-hmm. it, it's just frustrating. And, and there, is, there is part of me that goes, hey, well, we really haven't seen this team with Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. in two years. And the last time we saw Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic as a starting five, it was the best 12 days in Nuggets history. It was literally the best 12 days I've ever seen of basketball in Nuggets history. So there is still that, but I, I still think there are clear holes and I think they're going to, they're going to try to address them in free agency, but yeah, I totally lost a little faith last night. There's still a lot to be excited about when you come to looking at this Nuggets team with hopefully the reunion of MPJ and Jamal with Jokic out on the floor, but Calvin Booth had his first um, draft night being kind of the main man in charge after Tim Connolly has departed But Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke were also in the war room last night. How much say did Calvin really get when your two main big bosses are in the room, Jake? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Rachel. And, you know, we don't know the answer to that. But one thing that I found interesting is Calvin Booth was very quick to let everybody know that Michael Malone was in the draft room and and and, uh, influenced the picks and. Two of these draft picks, well, uh, Colin Gillespie wasn't a draft pick. He was a a signee later. Two of the four guys the Nuggets brought in last night were very, very big into fitting what Michael Malone thinks. And I'm just wondering if Michael Malone straight made the picks or signed some of these guys himself or or was the deciding factor. Um, And and you heard Calvin Booth in the couple times he's already talked to the media, how much he's talked about, I know what Michael Malone likes. Well, Great. I'm happy you guys have a great relationship, but that might not be the best thing because Michael Malone might not have the best player evaluation uh, mind ever. He's a coach. He's not necessarily a general manager and very few have been great at both at the same time. So uh, I'm a little worried in that sense. But yeah, you know, Josh Kroenke has had a big impact on the Nuggets before. There is this misnomer that the Kroenke's are absentee owners. Well, they are at times. But whenever the Nuggets get good, Josh Kroenke seems to get involved and want to be around a lot more. And this happened in the Carmelo era, and it seems to be happening now. 
And you just wonder with Stan being from Kansas City and Christian Braun being from Kansas City, just like Michael Porter went to Mizzou and, you know, Josh mm-hmm. played at Mizzou, if there is, you know, a little bit of an influence there from the Cronk. Well, there, there's definitely an influence there from the Cronkies, but in terms of personnel decisions. Uh, and, and it is weird to kind of hear that Stan Kroenke, who has showed up to two Rapids games in the five years that I've covered the team, uh, is now in the Nuggets draft room helping them make decisions. It's just kind of odd to me uh, that all of a sudden the Kroenkes are seemingly way more publicly wanting to be involved. Josh Kroenke doesn't surprise me. Stan Kroenke surprised me, but maybe it's just because he's in town because of what's going to be happening tonight with the Colorado Avalanche. Again, we are going to get to more Avalanche coverage here in just a little bit. We, we got one last thing to talk about because two Colorado players – uh, actually ended up going in the draft. So uh, Jabari Walker from CU, he ended up being uh, put in. I know there can be a Nuggets graphic there. He is not going to the Nuggets. He's going to the Portland Trailblazers. But then David Roddy as well, he's headed over to the Memphis Grizzlies. So congratulations to both of them. How exciting for Roddy. Obviously, I'm a CSU gal. Um, he's one of the first top or first round picks that we've seen in a very, very long time. So very well earned. And I love reaction videos. I love seeing players get up from the table if they're at the draft. So we've got the reaction video from David Roddy back at home. Check it out. I will say, make sure it's going to get a little crazy with your ears. So turn down your volume just a smidge on it. Take a watch. Chris. What's up? Okay. Don't play with me, man. Don't play with me. Don't play with me, bro. Don't play with me. I will not let you guys down. Hold on, I gotta get quiet. So we, we kept our we kept our interest like very quiet. Yeah. This was like our plan the whole time. <laughs> oh my gosh, See, I, you guys sold it well. Cause believe me, I I had no idea. So, man, thank you guys so much. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to get to work. I can't wait to compete for you guys and compete my heart out and just just be a pro for you guys. I I can't wait. Great things are happening with David Roddy and the Grizzlies uniform, so super excited, my man. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Well, enjoy the time with the family and the friends, and uh, can't wait to get you soon. I, you know, I'm be in touch and figure out the next steps for you, right? Yes, sir. Awesome. What? What, bro? I love those types of videos. They make me so happy. That's what it's all about, the emotion. We're so excited for every player that got drafted. But we're also very excited for tonight because we've got DMAC live at Ball Arena as we get ready for Game 5. DMAC, can you hear us? Let's see. Can you hear us, DMAC? I can't uh, hear you. You might be muted, DMAC. We'll give it a second. We'll give it a second. Well, one thing I will say about Roddy too, Rachel, is that reaction is so genuine because 
yeah, he knew he was going to get drafted last night, but no one ever thought he was going 23. We all thought maybe at the start of the thirties, maybe in the second round, but yeah, I mean, he was as surprised as anyone he even said at the end. It was awesome. I mean, I'm a CU guy, but I I love watching David Roddy play. I just love basketball. And uh, there's DMAC at Morning Skate. I think we got you now, DMAC. Can you hear us? Technology, man. It never, ever fails. We'll see. I just texted him to tell him that he is indeed muted and looks a little frozen, too. So hopefully we'll get him back connected again. He's on the go all the time, so we're always kind of having to play with whatever internet or cell reception he can get. And there are so many people down at Ball Arena because we've got so many networks there that it's a little more busy than normal. But again, we're still so excited for tonight. There's so much on the line, and we're trying not to all get ahead of ourselves, and I understand that. But if the Avalanche weren't able to pull it off tonight, Jake, how truly disappointing would it be? Where would it rank in the losses we've seen from this Avalanche team? I don't think it'd be too disappointing. I mean, they still will have two more chances to win the Stanley Cup. I think we all want it to happen tonight because it's a Friday night in Denver and just get it over with already. But, you know, like they've afforded themselves three opportunities to win the Stanley Cup. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully they do it in time number one. Hopefully it doesn't go to time number three because we're all going to be nervous. But this is awesome. And, and the chance to gentlemen sweep the two-time reigning champions and, and what it would mean from a historical context, like just awesome. So, yeah, I, I think this is just the cherry on top more or less because it's like what better scenario could you clinch in than a Friday night in Denver than this one? So, like, it's just the cherry on top. You just want them to win the cup. But, like, this is like, oh, my God, what great circumstances they won it. I know. We're so excited. And there's going to be so much going on, too. We'll get back on the hype train as if they are going to win it tonight. You can find the crew out or, like, the crew from 104.3. They're going to be at number 38. Go make sure you hang out there tonight. Go have fun. James Marilot, Will Peterson, lots of 104.3 hosts. Jake Shapiro is also going to be out there. You see Jake out on the streets after they win tonight. Make sure you say hi. He'll be part of our post-game live show. I will be at Ball Arena. I'm going to be taking you down on the ice. I'm going to be showing you in for the champagne locker room celebration. There's going to be so much fun. But then even afterwards, they're doing a really cool thing on 104.3 The Fan where they're not going to bed. They're celebrating all night long until 1 p.m. tomorrow. I want to read you the lineup. You ready from this? 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. You can catch Sam and Sean, or Sandy and Sean, excuse me. From 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., John Davis and James Merrill are going to be on with you. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. is Dan Jacobs. 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. is Chad Andrus. And then 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., Matt Smith. And then 11 a.m. to 1 a.m., Mike Evans and Sandy will be back with you. So a full lineup. We're staying up with the cup. We're celebrating with all of you, and we are so excited to do so, Jake. You know how Sandy's thing is saying, shut up, shut up. I, I just want to hear him say that, but replace it. Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. We absolutely need to make that a thing from Sandy tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I hope so. And, and uh, staying up with the cup, I mean, the digital team's going to be staying up with the cup. Like I kind of mentioned, we're hoping to track the cup around Denver. I'm sure our postgame show is going to run long. If the abs do indeed win tonight, you're going to be covered in champagne in the locker room. You're going to be on the ice. You're going to see a lot of grown men cry. Like you're going to have the time of your life. And then hopefully we'll be able to, to kind of find some people around Denver, maybe our listeners, our viewers, 
uh, drinking out of the cup at, you know, come some of the local establishments. Please, if you see any of us out on the town tonight, come say hi. We would love to get you featured. This is a big, like, state thing. This isn't just like, oh, my goodness, we're winning the Stanley Cup. This is, oh, my goodness, we are winning the Stanley Cup. So we want everybody to be involved in this celebration. Again, we are really hoping that the Avs can get it done. But we'll get in. DMAC, unfortunately, is just having a hard time connecting. We wish we could talk to him. But we want to get into our keys to the game here. So let's go ahead and put DMACs up. Because I know his is all about flying. So use your speed, relentless pressure, no mushy ice, and fly. That's DMAX key to the game. Jake, you already said yours. Hit me. Uh, well, it skips yours, so I'll just go ahead and put yours on there. Yours too. and I are very much the same, so go yeah. for it. Uh, we want the abs to get out on the front skate, not just the front yeah. foot. We want them all over the ice. They look so much better when they're attacking, forcing bad defensive mistakes, you know, forcing the pressure. You look at the way the abs are scoring these goals and it's not necessarily even on purpose in game four. They scored two goals by just, you know, puck luck, uh, get out there for some aval or some lightning mistakes, keep the puck away from Darcy Kemper as much as possible and I think that's the way to go. And I love D-Max Key because it's he loves those those ice bugs down in Tampa. He really does. Yeah, we're bummed that D-Max again could hang out with us. But, Jake, we need to get into my favorite thing to do at the end of every show. And you can probably already guess it. Roaster toast? Not roaster toast. Score predictions. We got a big game tonight, Jake. I can't believe you didn't get that. We want to know your score predictions, too. So, please drop it in the comments. But, Jake, hit me. All right. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. I'm getting so excited. We are seven hours away and I'm like amped up. I'm ready. Struck me like a lightning bolt. All right. I got it. Uh, 4-2. The Colorado Avalanche win the Lord Stanley Cup, the Dominion Hockey Challenge Cup tonight in Denver, Colorado. Friday, June 24th is a night to remember and never forget in the Mile High City. I love it. All right. Robert saying 4-2 Avs. Lawrence, 6-4 Avs. I'm going 3-2 Avalanche tonight. I think it is going to be a close one, but I think the Avs will get it over. So 3-2, so that means someone's going to score the game-winning goal, Rachel. I don't want I you to score prediction. Who's scoring the game-winning goal then? Nazem Kadri already had his like return moment, his big moment. I think it's Nathan McKinnon. That would be awesome. That would be so sick. I'm so excited for this. We hope you all are so excited too. Please continue dropping your score predictions. Woo, man, there's going to be a lot on the line tonight down in Denver. But again, we got you covered on DenverFan.com on 104.3, all the social channels. Make sure if you see any of us out tonight, please say hi. And let's go win the freaking Stanley Cup, everybody. Let's go, Avs. Mission 16W. Let's check that one off and get that final win. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us here on Coffee Break. We hope you all have a wonderful weekend and again lots of celebrations going in to tonight and tomorrow morning let's hope late and we will see everybody again on monday morning bye everyone